Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, June the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 8.51 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, and this is going to be a very important update. Now, one of my favorite things to do with broadcasting, one of my favorite things to do with podcasting is I love to turn on the microphone and talk about something. And from that initial broadcast, so many different things happen. I receive email, different people offering different thoughts and opinions. Maybe people do additional research. And then all of a sudden that first broadcast has to be followed up with a second or third or fourth as we kind of follow the path, the original Uh, The original broadcast kind of set us on, the original broadcast, the original podcast episode sets us on a certain path. And then you, the listener, really then kind of just leads us down that path. And it's always interesting to see where we end up. A lot of times I'll do an episode and I'll have a certain idea in my mind. Okay, we'll do one episode. That'll be it. Maybe we'll do two or three. I'll have a certain idea in my mind. And then based off YouTube comments or emails or whatever the case may be, discussions on, on Discord, wherever, um, it, it all sometimes it just takes its own little path. And I love when that happens. Now, it doesn't always happen. There's plenty of times I do an episode or I do a series and I get you know, almost no response. And I always hate that. But you can understand not everyone's going to be interested in what I'm talking about because the one thing I've always done on this podcast is really try to talk about what I'm interested in because I think then it just comes across as more real and hopefully you appreciate that. I know sometimes you're like, why is he talking about that? No one cares. And I understand that. I understand that. But I do love when I just, I stumble upon that topic that boom, all of a sudden everyone wants to talk about and then I just sit back and at that point, I'm kind of a spectator. I'm like, okay, where is this going to end up? Because like, I have no idea. I'm like, okay, oh. And then when it's over, I'm like, wow, that was cool. That was that was fun seeing how that journey developed, seeing how that developed over time. So that is what is occurring right now because we started kind of a little mini series talking about the very popular devotional. And when I say popular, we're talking 40 million people popular, the 40 million, can we say it, the 40 million devotional. No, it's the it's called the Jesus Calling devotional that has now sold over 40 million copies, or as the Roy's report writes it, Jesus called, 40 million people answered. I, I'm, I'm still with... I, I, I've repeated that number now, I don't know how many times, and I still have a hard time believing it's real. I'm like, a devotional has been sold over 40 million times, and I'm just saying, what, what, what is it about this devotional that so many people were drawn to, so many people were buying and sharing? And then in my mind, obviously, 40 million people, this has to be, it's been used, obviously, in all kinds of different churches and small groups and Bible study groups. And 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 so I'm just fascinated by why, why has 40 million people purchased this thing? I'm also bothered greatly that I, I don't know where I was. I know I've said this in every episode so far, but I'm just like, where was I? What was I, why wasn't I paying any attention to? to it. And another thing that's interesting 
is typically when something is really kind of building and there's lots of, it's just spreading and it's becoming more popular. Usually I start receiving all kinds of emails about it. I received, I don't think I've received any real meaningful correspondence. Someone may have mentioned it and someone did tell me that they mentioned it when we were talking about something else. And even then it didn't click in my mind. Ooh, yeah, I better look at that book. I, I'm just like, oh, it's a devotional. Yeah, who cares, right? So I, I, it still didn't register, and I don't know why. Uh, you know, I, it's just I, I'm still bothered by that. But now that I'm aware of it, I'm still trying to figure out why 40 million people have bought into it have not only bought a copy, but they've they're, they've really, I mean, obviously some of those people bought it and probably were not impressed, but a lot of people seem to be extremely impressed and think this is like the greatest devotional in the world, and I am curious. So we started exploring it a little bit. I purchased a copy of Jesus Calling. Not that I wanted to support it, but I wanted to at least give it a fair, I wanted to give it a fair reading, a fair consideration, because um, if if the book is that influential and it's still selling like crazy and being used in churches all across America, then we've got to talk about it. I mean, that's why we have a series here in the Theology Central podcast called Eye on Christianity, where I keep my eye on what's going on in Christianity for some weird reason. I missed this one, but I'm going to make up for it. So we bought a copy, or I bought a copy, I should say. I bought a copy, and we covered the introduction and our and the last episode we did in this series. I'm, I'm going to create a series for the Church One app called Jesus Calling, and I'll put all of the episodes in that uh, series, and we'll, we'll try to organize it that way. I think right now I have them under the Eye uh, on Christianity series, but I'm going to create an own separate series called Jesus Calling just so that people can find all of the episodes. I'll try to develop, uh, get work on that tonight, if not tomorrow. And I'll let you know when it's ready to go. I got to figure out what artwork I'm going to create for it because I, I can't use, I, I don't think it's, uh, it's legal for me to use a photograph of, a, of, the, of the book because I think that there would be a copyright issue there. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do there, but we'll, we'll see, right? Uh, because I, I want everyone to be able to find it if they're looking. But we, we went through the introduction and the introduction had serious problems, all right? First, they use a, a verse from Isaiah, which they once again completely rip it out of context. It's a verse talking about people coming out of Babylonian captivity, and the author of Jesus Calling, she applied it to herself, and it was it was major problems. Not only that, she speaks of talking to God in a dialogue, like, okay, she talked about that her prayer life used to be a monologue where she just spoke to God, and so she transitioned out of that into a dialogue kind of prayer where she prays, and then she listens to God, and then she started writing down what God was telling her. Major problematic, all kinds of issues there that we talked about in, in our uh, introduction coverage, right? So we talked about it there. We talked about a number, just a number of issues there about the book, all right? So we talked about all of that. I don't know. So what time did I receive the email? What time did I receive the email? Let me go here to my email. At 6.26 p.m., so just a few hours ago, I received an email about the episode we did on Jesus Calling. And they said, hey, I don't know if you realize this. I'm paraphrasing. But basically the email said, hey, I don't know if you realize this. The introduction you read and worked through in your podcast episode is different than the original 
introduction. And I was like, oh, fascinating. I did not realize this. And then they pointed out that what is what is missing in the new introduction is extremely important. And it is another major warning sign about the devotional Jesus Calling. And I and they sent me a link to a someone had basically they had scanned in the entire book with the introduction, the original, I think it's 2004. And I, I followed the link and looked at everything, read everything, verified what, what they told me. So, it, uh, and I have someone in our Discord channel who has just purchased a copy of the 2004 original. So they'll be able to verify this at a later time in case we get anything wrong. So we're going to have a physical copy. We have the scan copy and uh, we're going to have, we're going to ensure that we can compare the original with the newer edition and make sure if there are have been any other changes. So we're going to do everything we can to verify everything to ensure that we are not in any way misleading or, or giving you any kind of misinformation, factual, correct, verified. That that's that's how we always need to do things. But we're going to work through this email because this and we're going to basically just give an update to the introduction. And we're going to give an update to the introduction. By going back to the original from 2004, from the devotional Jesus Calling, which has now sold over 40 million copies, and what we've already seen in the most up uh, in the newest introduction is countless problems. Okay, there's all there's there are already serious issues with this book, and we haven't even read or studied one of the devotionals yet, which we will do tomorrow. But tonight, I just want to say, here's the latest information. And again, I never planned it to go this way, but that's why it makes, I mean, the, the, every podcast, I think it's so important for listeners that you don't even understand how important you are to, in participating. Your participation really determines so much, especially for me, since I'm the writer, the researcher, the host, the producer, technical support. I'm everything for this podcast. So your help is always greatly appreciated. But I hope we can uh I hope we can give you some information here to just try to I think I think we're we're I'm I'm trying to I, I guess I was kind of in the mindset, hey, this this devotional sold 40 million copies. I want to know why. Is it something I can look at and go, okay, I can see why 40 million people love this. Or is it one of those things I'm going to look at going, I don't have a clue. That's kind of my mindset. I'm transitioning out of that mindset now. My mindset now is really becoming, first of all, I was wrong not to see how this was growing in in popularity. And I apologize for not being the watchman that I should be because I failed everyone here. But... At this point, I feel like that I need to go into warning mode about this devotional, not just, hey, this is interesting. Now it's more like, hey, this is dangerous. We need to talk about it. We need to warn people about it. And it appears that for the most part, the evangelical world has just kind of said, yeah, whatever. I mean, Jesus Calling is sold by Lifeway. I mean, it, it looks like uh, that it doesn't matter who it... it it doesn't matter who or what publishing house is. It seems like nobody has a problem with it within the Christian world. And which is, a, it seems like originally there was some people who, who raised some concerns. Uh, there's at least one article out there about 10 problems with, with the book. But for the most part, everyone just kind of moved on and says, eh, whatever, who cares? Well, while everyone said who cares, 
40 million people went on to buy the, a book. So maybe we shouldn't have said who cared. I said, I mean, when I saw it in, you know, different publications advertising, I'm like, who cares? It's just another devotional. You know how many devotionals there are out there? It's not going to, I didn't even think it would be anything significant, but I was wrong. So here we go. This is what I received at 6.26 p.m. today. I've just been catching up with your episodes regarding Jesus Calling. I imagine you're going to be inundated with emails about it, but I thought I would also chime in. Some years ago, this book landed on my radar, back in 2018 or 19. I ended up having a number of friends who loved it very much, and someone donated it to our church library. The librarian was not familiar with it, so when I found it on our church library shelf, I had to put something together, some things together to warn her about it. Well, first of all, That's awesome. Every church needs people paying attention to what's going on. You ne- you need that. And and you need people paying attention about hey, we need to be concerned about this. I mean, I wish I, I wish in 2018 or 2019 I would have caught on. I wish in 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I wish at some place I would have caught on. But I I was oblivious to the significance of this book. I really was. I I, I'm telling you, it bothers me. Uh, it, uh, you don't even know how much I'm bothered by the fact that I missed this. But I, it's awesome that there's people out there seeing what's going on. And someone realized, wait a minute, there's an issue here. And they put something together to help the church librarian realize there's a problem. And this is what they say. First of, first off, you are right on regarding the fact that the flowery writing is lovely and comforting. Now, that's one of the things I pointed out when you just in the introduction, you could tell the author has a very poetic, lovely, beautiful, comforting style of writing that could be attractive. So that may explain why 40 million people bought into it because the writing style, now I don't know how that's going to, how that writing style is going to translate into the actual devotionals, but just in the introduction, you could just see the writing style. There was just something that you could be like, wow, this, this is very poetic, uh, Whenever she, whenever the uh, the writer is describing something, she she seems to have like very good con- very good command of language in writing to paint a picture that kind of draws you in. So there was something. I mean, good writing is important when you're putting together a book. So how that's going to translate into the devotionals, I don't know. But that explains possibly why it was so important. Uh, so important. But here's something that we talked about in the last episode. This is important, right? She, uh, I can go back to what they said here. This is very important. But the first person writing as if it is from Jesus is very dangerous. That's one of the things we read in the the updated introduction or the newest introduction is that she makes it very clear that in the devotional, she's going to write from a first-person perspective. She's going to use these pronouns speaking, like she's writing and speaking for Jesus. Meaning like, and is she not going to be like, I'm writing for Jesus and I'm going going to quote scripture. She, in her devotional, is going to be like giving you what appears to be what she thinks are the words of Jesus. And if the words of Jesus are now written down in a book, 
then for all practical purposes, you can't say that's not inspired scripture because she believes she she is hearing from Jesus and recording what Jesus said in her prayer time. That's like inspired scripture. So there's a major issue there. It's it's majorly concerning that she is writing uh, from the first person um, and, and using the pronouns as if she's writing it from Jesus. From Jesus, it's very dangerous. Dangerous. Also. She talks about this in the introduction. The listening type of prayer that the author claims in her introduction is totally experiential and fraught with peril. No, absolutely. This The whole book is experiential. We talked about this. And it's this idea that, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to write down what I think Jesus is telling me. Now, sadly, I was taught that kind of prayer and prayer journaling really early on in my Christian life, where I thought, I, I'm going to try to hear what God said. I ultimately abandoned it relatively quick because I began to realize, wait a minute, am I really hearing from God? Because I'm supposedly hearing this voice inside of me. And what is inside of me? Well, my own depravity. So that just seems like if I want to hear from God, I need something outside of myself, not trying to decipher what's coming from inside of me. And so this is another major problem in the book. And we talked about it in part one. And in our in our last live broadcast about this book, you you can go listen. All right. Um, but further, now this is important. The original printing of the book had a different introduction that spells another threat beyond just emotionalism or beyond just the experiential type of Christianity. The author, the writer of the email did not say that, but it, it, it gives us another, something else to be concerned about, more than just the emotionalism, more than what I would call the experiential type of Christianity. The, the experiential thing is just majorly problematic. But there's something else. The original introduction gives us that should set off alarm sirens. It should set off warning sirens. It should make us all go, whoa, we got a problem here. Now, we may have to do some additional research on it, but it's something we're going to have to pay attention to. Here we go. All right. Um, It says, but further, the original printing of the book had a different introduction that spells another threat beyond just emotionalism. It is available online, and I will link it for you here. I will also put an example in to save you from having to scroll through the whole thing, but please do, if only to double check me, the, uh, to check me. The author of this blog is, is pro Jesus calling and scanned all the pages for easy reference. So this is from a pro Jesus calling blog where they scanned all the pages. I don't know if they're, I, I'm very curious, is this, uh, you think the book has a copyright on it, so how were they able to scan it and not violate copyright? I, I'm a little, I, I'm just curious because if the book is somehow, in public domain, then, then, because I, I don't want to violate any copyright in trying to talk about the book, but we'll have to see. But they did put a link here. I went and looked at the link, and there's the book, and there's definitely the introduction. And again, we're we're having someone get a physical copy of the book. It'll be it's being sent to their house, and then they're going to look at it and confirm all of this to be accurate. So we're still gathering information, but if this is, all proves to be true. We've got some, even if, the, even if this, let me state it this way, just the introduction as found in the newest editions of Jesus Calling is already troubling and problematic enough. 
already. And clearly when I turned the page in the last broadcast and looked at the first devotional, we've already got serious problems, all right? But if this was the original introduction, one, we need to figure out why it was changed, but two, this, this would raise some serious issues. Here we go, all right? This is from the original introduction to Jesus Calling. During the same year, 1992, I began reading God Calling, a devotional book written by two anonymous, and this is in quotes, listeners. God Calling. We may have to do a little research in that book, God Calling, written by two anonymous listeners. What, what, what do they mean? Listen, listeners of God? Like, like what's, what's, what's the, that phrase referencing there, right? I, I think the, there's some questions we have to start asking right there. Yes? I, I, think, well, I mean, everyone should agree. So we may need to track down a copy of God Calling or at least get some background information about this book and we will have to do a little bit of a, we'll do an episode about that. You see how this is going? (laughs) You start in one direction and the next thing you know, we're going to be covering a lot of things, but that's okay. That's okay. That's the fun part of doing this, all right? Now, these women, who I guess were the listeners in God Calling, Practice waiting quietly in God's presence, pencils and papers in hand, recording the messages they received from him. So Jesus calling is really just another version, in a sense, of God calling. God calling had two women, it appears there were women, they, they waited patiently and quietly in God's presence with pencils and papers and then would record the messages they received from him. I keep turning away from the mic because I'm looking at the iPad reading all of this. Okay, I'll pick up the iPad so I can talk directly into the microphone. I apologize. Now, right there, again, I have major issues. When you're supposedly trying to listen for what God is telling you, I'm t- I, that. If you don't see the theological danger there, you're, 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 you're listening to some inner voice. You, inside of you is depravity. Inside of you is a heart that's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. You can't trust that. If you want to hear from God, you open your Bible and read it. If you want to hear God, you know, out loud, you read it out loud. It has to be, God's word has to be outside of us. The minute it comes inside of us, it's corrupted, it's messed up. It's, we're going to manipulate it and twist it. Just think of this. Look at how much manipulation and twisting that has occurred in church history from the physical word of God, the Bible, that's outside of us. As soon as we put it in our hands, we, we start twisting. Now think, if we do that with the external word of God, can you imagine what we do for some supposed internal word of God that we're, we, we have to listen to? and then try to figure out what he's saying, and then write it down? And not only that, if God's giving you direct messages in your prayer time, and you're writing them down, you're literally writing down the words of God. You would put what he tells you in quotation marks. So literally, you're writing another Bible. Whenever I say that, people are like, no, no, it's not the same thing. 
because you say it's not the same thing doesn't make it not the same thing. <laughs> okay, just because you say it's not the same thing. How is it not the same thing? God's giving you words. You're writing them on paper. Okay, <laughs> that, that's, that's, you're writing down inspired scripture. The messages are written in first person with I designating God. So whenever you read the messages, it says I, the I there is referring to God. This is the same approach used in Jesus calling. They ju- she's just copying the God calling approach. While I was living in Japan, someone had mailed this book to me from the U.S. I had not read it at that time, but I but I had held onto the book through two international moves. Six or seven years later, this little paperback became a treasure to me. It dovetailed remarkably with my longing to live in Jesus' presence. So this experiential kind of Christianity, she wants to live in Jesus' presence. She wants to experience it. And this book fits in perfectly with how to do this. You you listen and you write down what Jesus tells you on paper. The following year, I began to wonder if I too could receive messages during my times of communicating with God. Did you hear that? I began to wonder if I too could receive messages during my time of communing with God. If they could receive messages not messages from the Bible, messages, an internal message delivered directly to you from God. This destroys Sola Scriptura. This is, this is the influence, what I call the charismatic cancer on evangelical Christianity. Now, this is what, this is what uh, the, the author goes on to say. This is in the original introduction to Jesus Calling. I had been writing in prayer journals for years. But that was one-way communication. I did all the talking. I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. Well, wait. Wait. You knew God communicated you with the Bible, but you yearned for more. The Bible wasn't sufficient. The Bible wasn't enough. I'm telling you, the Jesus Calling devotional it, it is, it, I, I'm going to start liking it to the book of Jude. This has crept in unawares. And we've got to contend for the faith. When the author of a devotional says, hey, I knew God's word spoke to me, but I wanted more. You run for your life. You pack up the car and you leave, right? The, the, you get out of the house. The call is coming inside of the house. You get out. Don't even wait. Just leave. Just let, just flee to the mountains. Don't look back or you're going to turn into salt. When when a, a devotion, the author of a devotional says, hey, I know God speaks to me through his word, but I yearn for more. What 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 what's more than God's word? What is more than the eternal, infallible word of God? What is more than that? That that is a, a major, a major problem. They go on to say this. So I yearned for more. Increasingly, I wanted to hear what God had to say to me personally on a given day. I decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever I believed he was saying. 
please don't. Whatever I believed he was saying, how do you know it was him saying it? How do you know it's not your own mind? How do you know it's not from some other source? I felt awkward the first time I tried this, but I received a message. It was short, biblical, and appropriate. Well, if it was biblical, then why did you need something other than the Bible? It addressed topics that were current in my life, fear and closeness to God. I responded by writing in my prayer journal. I mean, hey, don't you wish it worked that way? I don't have to sit there and read the Bible and try to interpret the passage, historical context, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, literary context, literary style, genre. I, I I don't have to worry about all of that. I just go, all right, God, talk to me. And then God gives me direct revelation about what's what's dealing with my life today. And I write it down and boom, I got something better than the Bible. I got more. I got more. What is that uh, commercial about more? It gives you more, whatever insurance company it is, you get more, you get more. Hey, you got the Bible, but I've got more. Oh, oh, really? You've got more? What do you have? Okay, so here's the Bible. Oh, I had the Bible and you have the Bible, but I got more. And, And then they pick it up. And what is that? Oh, it's my prayer journal. Wait, your prayer journal is more than the Bible? Oh, yeah. It's direct messages from God. So this is what you want. But you don't need my prayer journal because God gives me direct messages. He'll give you direct messages. But what if their direct message is different than your direct message? How how does that work? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's some major issues happening here. My journaling had changed from monologue to dialogue. Soon, messages began to flow more freely, and I bought a special notebook to record these words. This new way of communicating with God became the high point of my day. I knew these writings were not inspired as scripture is, but they were helping me grow closer to God. I want you to just realize that is meaningless. That, that, that's Hey, I know it wasn't ins- inspired as scripture. Why? Why are they not as inspired as scripture? God is giving you direct words and you're writing them down. How is that not as inspired as scripture? Just because you say so, you just, you know, you know, no, no. That sounds like you're spending your time listening to these words and not listening to the words and studying the words that were written down. That, that I mean, I'm telling you, this is, some, this is some disturbing stuff. Let's continue. I have continued to receive personal messages from God as I, made on him, I made as I meditate on him. The more difficult my life circumstances, the more I need these encouraging directives from the creator. Sitting quietly in God's presence is just as important as the writings I glean from these meditative times. In fact, some days I simply sit with him for a while and write nothing. During these times of focusing on God, I may experience fullness of joy in his presence, or I may simply enjoy his gentle company and receive his peace. Again, experiential, experiential, experiential feelings, emotions. This just goes, this becomes so subjective. Um, I have found themes of his peace becoming more prominent in my writing. I'm sure this tendency reflects as part my personal need. However, when I get to know people, I find that most of them also desire the balm of Jesus' 
piece. That is from the original introduction of Jesus Calling, and much of that is not found in the introduction you will read today if you purchase the book. Why did they change it? Why did they leave out that this ultimately came about because of the book God Calling? Why? Why? I'm just going to, I don't know what's getting ready to happen here, but I'm going to try this. I'm just going to do a, a Google search. I'm going to type in God calling. Um, God calling by two listeners. Here we go. Um. Oh, here, it doesn't take long. God Calling, why the book God Calling is considered occultic. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty concerning. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see uh, more that I could find here. I was trying to see if there was like a... Uh, So, but I'm, there's articles immediately. So, God calling clearly is even considered occultic. Uh, okay. So, someone who's listening just said, I rented God calling on Hoopla, my library app. I have it now. So, we have a listener who's a part of our Discord channel who has a copy of God calling. All right. We are expecting a full review with a chart, and we need that by midnight tonight. So, you've got a lot of work to do. Okay. Or we'll give you till 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, okay? So you've got from now to 6 a.m., just tell your family, no, you're not sleeping, and you're going to be up and, you, and get a whiteboard, and we want a chart, and we want it all drawn out. We want, we want all the details about God calling. So we're going to be able to get some information here, but it's just interesting that I just do a Google search and immediately find an article about how many can consider it occultic. So that's, that's troubling because this is the book that clearly inspired Jesus calling, right? It's just interesting that the new introduction leaves that out the original introduction is like this is where th this is what inspired it this is what gave her the idea for her new monologue type of prayer or i'm sorry dialogue type of prayer versus her monologue type of prayer so that's interesting now back to the uh, email uh, and here is what they have to say this is the emailer who said this notice that in this original introduction the author claims that she was inspired by the co-authors of the book, God Calling, who received spiritual inspiration and wrote down what they heard. She was inspired to do the same thing only with Jesus. In case you're unfamiliar, it actually turns out that God Calling is a book that is revered by New Agers. Now, that's something we will have to confirm. But if that is true, that's, that's majorly problematic. It was openly written through the practice of automatic writing by the authors who called themselves two listeners, but never identified themselves by name. That is why some say that Jesus Calling is written through the use of occult practices. Well, I know that to be true because one Google search immediately said, hey, some consider the book occultic. So that is true. There's no question about that. An ex-New Ager, uh, named Warren Smith, wrote a book debunking Jesus Calling. He talks about the New Age practices, automatic writing, 
and ideas, totally self-focused, in the book, and he exposed the God-calling connection. After his expose, Jesus' calling was reprinted with the introduction that it has now. Hmm, that's interesting. I'll leave it to the Christian publishing world. Oh, this could make our, hey, we don't we don't want to get rid of our golden goose here, right? I mean, we're 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 selling copies by the millions. Okay, we got to we got to take that out of the introduction because we don't want look, look like this is, you know, connected to some book that clearly there's some people having problems with. So we'll remove that. Nobody's going to go do any research and boom, Jesus calling continues to sell and it sold 40 million. Hey, Jesus called and 40 million people answered. Isn't it amazing? So there was someone out there trying to go, hey, guys, I think we have a problem here. In addition, I will link here an article from the blog Christian Answers for the New Age and a video where Warren G. Smith talks about his book, Another Jesus Calling, and a link to his book on Amazon. Even the appendices to his book uh, that you can see in the Look Inside feature in Amazon are helpful. I think that nice, I think that nice Christian people who have had no contact or interaction with the New Age uh, or New Thought or occult teachings do not realize that this book presents a Jesus that is not only imaginary, but this book presents a false Christ against which we were warned in Scripture. Wow, that's those are strong words. Strong words. Yeah, uh, someone just said, whoa, I didn't realize Warren's book spurred that change. Now, we would have to confirm that. So just make sure you hear me. We would have to verify that. I, I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but it seems like he does his expose. We would have to figure out the date. We'd have to figure out the date when the, the introduction was changed. But if, if that is true, that's pretty interesting. But it would appear that, I'll put it this way. You just, you you type in, it doesn't take you long to do a search for God calling and you find out that it's connected to occult practices. That is true. That's just one Google search. And I did that in minutes. So clearly the Christian publishing world would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we don't want to mention that book. We don't want to mention, because someone reading going, oh, I love this Jesus calling. And she was inspired by God calling. Let me do a search. And then they would do a search and go, wait a minute. That would be bad and could hurt your, remember, They refer to Jesus Calling Now as a brand. It's a brand. So clearly, they would have motivation to remove it. I cannot 100% dogmatically say it was because of of Warren's book, but I think, put it this there's at least smoke there, and typically that leads to fire, but or proves, it doesn't lead to fire. It proves that there is a fire, but we would have to verify that. All right. Now, they go on to say, at this the the email the emailer said this at best sarah young is a concoct, concocting a jesus from her own thoughts but at worst actual deceptive spirits have been have used this opportunity to use her as a willing if deceived channel either way i would not think it's an overreaction to say this book conveys the doctrine of demons rather than anything that would increase our devotion to the true Christ. This is an exercise in becoming more and more emotionally driven, seeking after comfort and warm feelings, becoming more and more numb to scripture that is twisted and taken out of context, 
rather than thinking this is nice and there's some truth in it and it makes me feel so good. I'm sure it's fine or eat the meat and spit out the bones. Let's take what's true in this and dismiss what is false. I submit to you that this book has so distorted scripture and so blended warm, numb feelings into anything that is even adjacent to the truth. That is too dangerous for anyone to read, except as a potential discernment exercise. Reading it in hopes of gaining anything genuinely good would cause a person's discernment to be dulled, I fear. So they're saying that you can't take the approach that, well, there's some good things in it, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. They, in their estimation, this book is so dangerous and so bad, it should just be avoided at all cost. That's a serious warning. I cannot confirm that right now if that is the case because I haven't read the book. But we are going to work through some of it live on the air starting tomorrow and we'll see, and over the weekend, we'll be doing a, 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 a considerable, uh, we're going to look at a number of the devotionals in the book and see what we can find, or at least, uh, and then if you have read the book, or if you have a copy of the book, if there are certain ones that just like, that is absolutely disturbing, Mark, you know, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I'll focus on those specific ones. Now, this is what this person says. Those of us who have been exposed to New Age thinking will recognize that the devotionals contain a lot of words and phrases that lean on Christ consciousness and divinity within you rather than calling us to submit to the true Jesus Christ of Scripture. But nice Christians who don't know this language or lingo may not recognize it and may think that it's a mere colloquial reference to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is a subtlety of language, but it is very, it is a very dangerous mistake to interchange these ideas. A genuine spirit, a real demon, may well appear to some of these people, possibly Sarah Young herself, as an angel of light that they have mistake for an encounter with Jesus. Remember, she ta- she supposedly, remember in the, even the new introduction, she has that experience where like she's surrounded by light. It, it, it is, I mean, you have to at least be, I mean, I, I, look, I, I was willing to kind of, okay, you know, I don't, I don't agree. But now because of what we are reading, I'm a little bit more concerned than I, I was now. And I think maybe we're, we've reached a, a, a serious potential of, great spiritual danger with this book. Um, These claims have become more and more common among the hyper-experiential crowd, and they've been allowed some in the NAR, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, if you don't know the the, the, uh, acronym, to claim that these encounters qualify them as apostles. This book is very easily used to leverage for greater and greater deception. It also warns people It also warms people up to the way the Passion Translation, another channeled book, if you believe Brian Simmons' story, skews biblical truths beyond all recognition. And we talked about the Passion Translation. That thing is not even a translation. It's not even a Bible. That thing is, yeah, that thing is bad. They go on to say, and you're right, this has been a raging wildfire among women's groups and groups of friends and family for almost two decades now. And It is so nice and inspiring that there hardly seems to be any objection among evangelicalism. Even while it takes over the time that should be spent reading our actual Bibles, 
and sharing actual wisdom and sharpening one another. Well said. A little bit of sarcasm, but it gets the point across. Isn't it wonderful and great that nobody has said anything about it? And you know what? I'm guilty of it, and I apologize. I, I don't know how I missed it. it there's, I have no one else to blame, but I, I mean, I never even had a person even mention this. I bet you if I go to my church on Sunday and ask how many people have even heard of it, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm would be shocked if anyone in my church has. Now, we may have visitors uh, maybe on Sunday, maybe one of them will say, I've heard of it, but I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask on Sunday. You, you, I'll do it. Uh, uh, since we're studying Jude, and this fits in perfectly, I'm going to ask uh, on, on Sunday school, and we'll see how many raise their hand. But I, I put it this way, nobody in my church ever asked me about it. Or if they did, I've completely forgotten. All right, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty bad that that's kind of what's happening. Um, th- it says, thanks for listening. Links to follow, and if you ever need any help digesting, translating, unpacking a new age, new thought, occult thinking, and the ways they have infiltrated Christendom uh, through the charismatic movement and now into the mainstream, please feel free to ask. I grew up in the new age hub through the 70s and 80s into the 90s, so all this stuff hitting the rest of the culture now was already common to me 25 years ago. Thank you so much for addressing this topic. This book, this book is so beloved I'm sure this is going to be unpopular, but when I shared the original intro with my friends and explained to them uh, that this unmediated spirit contact, automatic writing, is what God people were forbidden to do in Deuteronomy, and that our mediator is Jesus Christ, and that the scripture is our God-breathed source for contact with him, and that scripture is sufficient for every good work for life for godliness, notice in Sarah Young's introduction that she warned wanted more than scripture. This is a big red flag. Oh, absolutely. Um, How many times do the hyper charismatic shout out more Lord as if what he has provided us is not enough. And then here are the links. There's a number of links and uh, yeah, we are, we are definitely going to look into some of this and uh, see what we can find. The main thing we're going to do is we're going to just work through some of the devotionals. That's what we're going to do and just see some of the problems. But I wanted to just give you this like new information. And so this is what we can, seems to be, we can dogmatically assert at this point. This seems to be factual. The original introduction clearly drew the link between the book Jesus Calling, what was going to become the book Jesus Calling, that it was directly influenced and, in fact, mimicked the book God Calling, which was put together by two women listeners who, uh, well, basically, you know, God Calling, who received spiritual inspiration and wrote down what they heard. She... Sarah Young took that whole idea, began to practice it, and wrote Jesus Calling. So there's a direct correlation between the two. And if God Calling is completely messed up, occult-like, fraudulent, and wrong, then basically think of it, Jesus Calling is the fruit of the God Calling concept. The God Calling concept, in a sense, is, is is the seed that ultimately grew and produced the fruit of Jesus calling. And if we can go and say the original thing that was planted was wrong, well, then we could clearly demonstrate that Jesus calling, I think, is 
is wrong. Just, we'll put it, it's suspect right there. In other words, you should already go into it with warning, already being suspicious just because of that link. And then once we get into it, we can see. But the introduction itself should just warn, scare you to death. Just reading the introduction should make you put the book down and go, oh, this is problem, problematic. But the original introduction was far more disturbing than the new one, but the new one has already got major issues. That's the update I wanted to give you. First of all, I want to thank the uh, the listener who emailed me all of that. Wow. They took the time to write all of that. They got links. They put in the work. It's very well written. Awesome. They should have a microphone, not me. Um, thank you so very much because we're going to do everything we can to at least warn people, hey, if, if you, this book, if Jesus Calling influenced you, we, we need a detox program, okay? We got to get you, we got to get it out of you because I think it's uh, some serious problems. And if the book is still selling and it just celebrated the milestone of 40 million copies sold, then you know they're going to be, there's going to be all kinds of new promotions of the book and well, they may sell another couple of million. So there you have it. All right. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. We will definitely be talking about this tomorrow. Um, We got a lot of other, I still got to finish our discussion about the 30 live principles. I know that did not generate near the discussion this has, but I'm still fascinated by why Stanley's book, 30 live principles sold so much because I still don't understand where those life principles come from. I'm still bound. That turned into a Bible for crying out loud. The life principles Bible. I don't, is there a Jesus calling Bible? Okay, I, I hope there's not, okay? Well, you know what? You don't need a Jesus Calling Bible because Jesus Calling is a Bible because supposedly it's words from Jesus. So there you go. Maybe that's why, all right? But uh, you know, so we got a lot to work on tomorrow and we'll see how much we can get done. Don't forget, we're also in the middle of a Bible study exercise on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've at, we asked some tough questions in our study on Wednesday night. So um, and that's gonna be unpopular as well, but we're... I'm definitely pushing back against a a lot of the teaching found in the church on the Holy Spirit. So that's going to be another very big undertaking. So we always have a lot to do to keep up with everything we're doing. Please go to your app store of choice, Apple or Google, do a search for Church One, Church O-N-E, download the app, do a search for Theology Central, select us as your chosen broadcaster, Boom. Check your settings there in the Church One app. Make sure all your notifications are on. And then you can you can keep up with everything we're doing. Be notified every time we go live on the air. And guess what? All of our content is put into series, so it's easy to find all of our content since we have so much. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. God bless.